from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. Welcome to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. We're glad you can join us here. Today is Friday, June 5th, as we usher in the month of June, episode 22 right here on the Dolphin Pod. My name is David Pizzuto, being joined alongside our co-host Joe Foreman. And Joe, another week and another CUNY retrospective on CSIDolphins.com. And that's the subject and focus of our show here today. And we've learned a lot from our guests regarding some of those retrospectives throughout the years. Now, or I should say throughout our podcast, we've learned information throughout many years on past podcasts, not necessarily directly related to our most recent retrospectives. They will be highlighted on today's show as they were on last week's show. But I'm looking forward to our conversations with Jackie Cartella and Jordan Young today. We'll get some insight in some of the CUNYAC softball championship teams that we highlighted on our website earlier this week, as well as some of the men's basketball postseason appearances and our CUNYAC Commissioner's Cups as well. So a lot to talk about with our guests on today's show. Yeah, it's it's funny, too, because when Jackie and Jordan both played at CSI, I remember thinking, like, these are two kids who are eventually going to be in our Hall of Fame. And uh, and now that they're a few years removed, it's kind of just a waiting game at this point of when they'll be in there. But uh, two kind of statistical monsters uh, when they played here and, and two two student athletes who really uh, have known that championship caliber. Jordan played in two CUNY championships and took a team that had won just six games in 2008-2009 and led them to the NCAA Sweet 16 in 11-12. And then Jackie Cortella kind of ushered in that era of CUNY softball dominance. The Dolphins were kind of on again, off again, winning championships in 07, 09, 11, and 13. But when Jackie burst onto the scene in 2014, it was all CUNY championships from there. She dominated in the circle, such a decorated player. And now that we get a chance to kind of catch up with them, Joe, it's going to be nice to hear what they're up to and how fondly they remember those days when they were in uniforms. And it's always great to hear how fondly some of our former student athletes look back on their time at the College of Staten Island. Jordan Young helping to lay the groundwork for what has been an incredibly successful men's basketball program over the last several years. When I came on in 2016, men's basketball was one of our most successful programs at the time. And I knew nothing but Kuniak championships from softball throughout all of my time at the College of Staten Island thus far. Jackie Cartella, of course, was a huge part of that. When I came on in 2016, it was her third season, her junior year. The Dolphins, of course, winning the CUNYAC championship every year 
from 2013 through 2019. And taking a look at all the individual accolades for her on her profile page with the softball roster, listing many of those from her time with the College of Staten Island, it is very impressive to see not only all the CUNYAC championships the team won, but all the individual awards she received as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously she had a tremendous supporting cast, but uh, we all know softball. It starts with that person right in the center of the diamond, the pitcher, and uh, she really anchored it down. And what a lot of people don't know about Jackie, one of the questions I have on my list, depending on who gets to it first, Joe, is what an exceptional hitter she was as well. She was a leadoff hitter uh, just about all four years of, of her career and just exceptional on the base pads. And, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with uh, a player who's so good in the circle or on the mound for baseball, you know, you, you, uh, you forget all the other intangibles they bring to the table. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then, you know, you have a kid like Jordan Young who comes in uh, kind of as the centerpiece of that 0809 team, a team that struggled mightily. I remember there being so much, um, you know, not controversy, but just so many whispers and talks that year about head coach Tony Petoza. I remember we started that year with, um, you know, with with a gym floor that was concrete because there was mold infestation in the gym. So the basketball team essentially went through the preseason without a gym floor. Uh, we had to ship the volleyball team to play their home matches at St. John Villa. And then you go from there to three years later being at the height of the NCAA national scene. And for Jordan specifically, being able to take maybe a half a step back from that being that offensive juggernaut and instead being that that you know leader who who cradled his teammates ushered in the you know uh kids like TJ Tibbs and and Javon Cox and and uh Bluchi McGlore obviously who went on to become CSI's all-time leading scorer so the 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 selflessness that he displayed and his ability to, to serve as the rock and the anchor of that team, very, very impressive. And, uh, you know, just, just a few of the kind of things we're looking forward to talking to both of those individuals about. And as I spoke about just before, many times these podcasts are a history, history lesson for me, and you just educated me right there. I wasn't familiar with that entire situation with the gym during seasons past and moving volleyball matches and all the stuff that went into getting prepared for that season and ultimately having a men's basketball season that went on to lay the groundwork for our continued success. And you mentioned how Jordan was an offensive juggernaut. Those CSI softball teams as well that Jackie Cartella played on, offensive juggernauts in their own right. Jackie also leading the Dolphins in at-bats in a single season on the all-time list with 147. That's due in large part to all of the runs the Dolphins scored during her seasons with the team. And in 2017, she was part of a trio of pitchers that included Nicolette Trapani and Allison Marr, put up some of the best numbers in the history of the program. But as you said before, not to be lost in the pitching numbers or the offensive numbers for Jackie throughout her career and for those Dolphins softball teams during the years that she was a part of it. Yeah, and you mentioned the history lesson. Obviously, we implore all of our listeners to check us out on the web, csidolphins.com. For the past three weeks, we have been chronicling uh, CSI's Division Three and CUNY Athletic Conference history day by day. Joe and I focused uh, on each individual teams. And then this past week, we wrapped it all up with baseball, softball. And as Joe mentioned, the two community, uh, the Commissioner's Cup uh, wins in 2001 and 2018. And then, of course, uh, today uh, we have the Dolphins on the NCAA landscape. And, you know, obviously Jackie and Jordan's stories are a part of that, but you got baseball's uh, 
twice, two times Sweet 16, you know, um, finalists back in the days when the tournament only had 32 teams. They were an absolute powerhouse in the early 90s. You have women's soccer going to four straight championships uh, under Giuseppe Panetti and then later Brittany Caceres. And, uh, you know, just amazing stories. Women's tennis getting there after so long. Uh, you know, being uh, a dominant factor in the 90s. So just a lot of stories there to tell. And, and Joe, that kind of closes the book and finishes the chapter of our affiliation with Division Three and the CUNY Athletic Conference. And it's very nostalgic and it's very uh, kind of awe-inspiring to see all the things that we've done. And it's a great way to kind of usher in what's next for us is having those little capsules to turn to and always look back fondly on our history. You said it's like a history lesson. It was for us, you know, writing those pieces and telling those stories. And now we're equally excited in the future of the podcast. And of course, on CSIDolphins.com to turn that page and to look forward to Division Two and the East Coast Conference. And looking back at some of the best postseason memories in the history of our athletics program is always something that we do with great fondness and those are some of the best memories that I've had during my time with the College of Staten Island over the years is being a part of covering postseason games, attending some postseason games. It's always the most fun time of the year for us as a staff. A lot of the time, we get to host some of those postseason tournaments as well. We have in the past, of course, with baseball and softball. We hosted a soccer tournament as well a couple of years back. So it is with great fondness that I look back on the past postseasons, and it's great to share that with all of our viewers at csidolphins.com and our listeners on the podcast and i can't wait for our conversations with jordan and jackie today and all of the conversations we'll have down the line with other members of the past college of staten island athletics history during our time in division three but writing the new chapter of our history books in division two is something that i know all of us are looking forward to and when we have the opportunity to compete in the postseason during our division two tenure that's something that i'm sure will be met with equal enthusiasm as well yeah, absolutely. Very well said, Joe. And I, I think we've given our listeners a nice preamble uh, for our show today. Of course, Jackie Cotel and Jordan Young are our guests. We're going to start um, our interviews with uh, Jackie Cortella, member of the CSI softball team from 2014 to, to 2017, a four-time CUNY champion, a four-time national uh, tournament qualifier, and of course, a winning pitcher in the circle uh, for one of those games as well. So coming up on the flip side of this break, we'll be joined by Jacqueline Cortella. Stay with us. This is the Dolphin Pod here on CSIDolphins.com. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II, and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game, because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive. 
to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division II, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. We are premiering on Friday, June 5th, episode 22 of the CSI Dolphin Pod. And uh, our first guest here on today's edition is Jacqueline Quartella. We uh, talked a little bit about Jackie's story uh, as a CSI Dolphin in our opening segment. And and now we have her on live. And, uh, you know, Jackie, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. As I understand it, you're actually coming off of your shift at work at, at Staten Island University North as a, as a nurse. So thank you for taking the time after what I'm assuming was an exhausting shift. Yes, of course. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, Jackie's a success story in many ways. And, you know, Jackie, you were the first person that came to mind when we were, we were doing this segment on, you know, CSI's uh, mark on the NCAAs because you came to the Dolphins program at a time where they were coming off of a championship in 2013. But back then, the Dolphins were making the tournament once every other year. They had made it in 05 and 07 and 09 and 11 and 13. And then you arrive on the scene in 14. And that kind of all changes from the time you stepped on campus to the time you left and now extending into uh, 2019-20. Uh, the Dolphins have remained on top. Were you aware of that winning pedigree when you took uh, when you when you first decided to come to CSI? And how in awe are, are you of the run that you guys had? It's crazy, like, looking back on everything. Like, I knew they were a good team, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to stay back home and go there. But just looking back on how, like, successful we all were during that time, it's really rewarding. When you first came uh, to the Dolphins, were you – was there any pressure on you? Because I know as a as a freshman, you were, you were put on in that circle right away. I mean, there was no kind of nurturing process. There was no kind of let's feel you out for a couple of innings here and there. You were right out there. You were our first game starter <laughs> in 14, and you were anchoring uh, a returning champion, a defending championship. You know, how did that make you feel, you know, first time out there? It was nerve-wracking, but I feel like I've always been, like, used to situations like that, like, my whole life throughout playing softball. And then, plus, I knew a lot of the girls on the team already from either travel, high school, Little League, so it made it, like, a lot more comfortable to play with them as well. And when you took the circle for the Dolphins, you went out there and experienced immediate success in that first season. CUNYAC Pitcher of the Year, CUNYAC Championship MVP. What do you attribute that immediate success to as you came on and immediately made a huge impact? I give it all to my team. They, they helped me a lot throughout that process. I always know that they were there to defend me. They always had my back. Alphonse, defense, it's all to them. And a lot of the accolades referring to your performance in the circle, you were also a very talented hitter in your own right, as was the entire Dolphins team. But you were at the top of that Dolphins batting order for a lot of the time that I covered the team anyway. What, what did you think your role was at the top of the lineup? My role is to just get on base and then the rest of the lineup move me along the bases and score some runs. But it was always uh, rewarding. It was a lot to be pitcher and then lead off. It was something that I always worked towards my whole life. And it's rewarding knowing that like I finally got that. 
Yeah, you know, Jackie, um, as far as your your pitching, and I, I have a question on your hitting as well, but as far as your pitching, like one of the reasons why I've always respected you as a pitcher is that, you know, you have certain pitchers that go out there and they're just they're just throwing. They're, they're you know, they're they're hitting, you know, 60, 65 miles an hour. They're so tough to hit. But you've never really been that overpowering pitcher. Instead, you were a control uh pitcher. You you pick your spots, you land in your spots, you keep the ball down. As the type of pitcher who who's not going to necessarily overpower people, what kind mm-hmm. of like game plan or internal you know uh, things are going on in your head when you're out there in the circle? My goal was to always get like the first pitch strike, get ahead of the count a lot, and try to work with that. And I knew like what pitches were like my weakness and what pitches were my strength, so I tried to like get ahead of everything like that. And as far as, as far as your success, I know Joe had asked, you know, that you attribute the success to to your teammates and their ability. Mm -hmm. But like, when you look back at your career and you look at the numbers and you look at the championships, you look at the awards that you won, have you ever surprised yourself with how successful you were at the next level? I mean, you know, CSI is nothing to, you know, shake a stick at. I mean, this is a real top-notch program, has a real winning pedigree, wins on the national level as well. Were you surprised at like the the footprint that you made when your career was all said and done? Yeah, definitely. Like in the moment, you're not focused on like, oh, I'm going to win this award or anything like that. Like you're just focused on like winning each game. But knowing that like it came along with all that other good stuff, it really is so rewarding and it makes me miss it so much. And like looking back, like I wouldn't change a thing about anything. The last several weeks, Jack, we've been focusing on a lot of our CUNYAC championship teams and some of our best postseason runs throughout the history of CSI Athletics. Is there a moment in the postseason that stands out to you, whether that be in the CUNYAC tournament or in the NCAA tournament? Is there one particular moment you look on or look back on with especially fond memory? One moment I look back on is when we actually won the NCAA in the tournament. Uh, it was like rewarding because we were always like the underdog in those situations so to come out with a win in such like a tough bracket it was really rewarding and i think that underdog mentality is something that a lot of our teams experienced this past season as well with the move to division two they faced a lot of division two competition that saw them as the underdogs in those games how important as a student athlete was feeding off of that underdog mentality to you throughout your time at the college of staten island when it did apply though in many cases, your team was viewed as the favorite in the CUNYAC. You just referenced it in the NCAA tournament. How, how important was that, feeding off that mentality? I love being the underdog because then, like, you come out on top and it's just that much more rewarding. Like, knowing that, like, people don't think that you're going to win and people don't think that. But then, like, when you actually, like, get out there and you put up a fight and, like, you shock other people, it's crazy. It's a great feeling. Yeah, I think one of those underdog victories, uh, Jackie, perhaps the one that that you're thinking about specifically was in 2015, you were a sophomore, you got the ball against William Patterson University. This was a, a team that we had never beaten before in, in, uh, in our history, and we've beaten them since. But you were the winning pitcher in that 9-1 to one win over William Patterson, where we really just shocked them pretty good. Um, it was also um, you know, a bittersweet tournament for you guys because in the next game against Kane University, you guys were right there lockstep with them. And then, I don't know if you remember, we had that major injury to Brittany Smith, uh, and it yeah. kind of changed the whole complexion of that tournament and the game. You know, was there any kind of feelings of regret with that tournament? Because me personally, 20 years at, at CSI Plus, 
I believe that was probably our best team ever. Yeah, I would have to agree. I definitely would say that as well. Um, going in there, <clears throat> we always put up a fight, but you always go in, especially when we play against big teams like William Patterson. We always, not that we didn't expect to win, but it's just like more like we were always told like, oh, like they're really good and they're they're um, like they're gonna win and all this stuff. So like to put up a fight against them and then to actually come out with a win, it was really rewarding in yeah. that aspect. Yeah, and the very next day, you guys dropped a you know a, a heartbreaker to Kane. I think the I think the final yeah. score was was lopsided, but you guys were right there. It was like zero zero in the fifth inning, and then you know whatever they got a couple of big hits and and they ran away with it. But uh, it was a it was yeah. a really great run. But I and and I remember you know even though we 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 lost obviously in the regional round, you know we're very proud of our of our accomplishments because we know how hard it is for a team that comes out of the CUNY to really make noise in the championship because you guys don't really get seasoned uh, within the CUNY. Hunter's always been a good team. Baruch has mm-hmm. always been a tough out. But for the most yeah. part, your run through CUNY was, you know, a lot of lopsided victories. So, you know, how did those bigger games really prepare you for, for that stage? Because I know in the regular season, you guys tried to load up on as many quality teams as possible. Yeah, that's a lot to do with our coach at the time, Stella. She always gave us like a tough schedule during the season, so we'll be ready for uh, moments like that, which we have to thank her for that. Sure. And in 2017, the team won a program record 35 games, 12-0 and in the CUNYAC. What went into the team's success during a season like that where they set the all-time wins record and had several quality wins against some of those tough opponents that you just mentioned throughout the schedule? There was a lot that went into that. We always worked hard from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. It's just, I feel like each year that I was there, like we just worked on getting better and better. And it just felt like each year, like our team just got better. We got like, we had like great friendships throughout the team too. So that has a lot to do with it. Like we all played well together. We all hung out outside, which really like helps, I feel. And during your time with the team, of course, knowing nothing but CUNYAC championships with each CUNYAC championship, there comes, of course, the expectation from spectators and I'm sure amongst the team as well that you'll be back there and back on top the following year. Does that make it easier to finish a season, especially a 35-win season with the CUNYAC championship victory? Or does it add a little bit of extra pressure on top of those past championships with that expectation? It adds a little bit of pressure, but I feel like in the moment, like I never really like thought of stuff like that. Like it was kind of like you just play game by game and then like whatever the outcome was, the outcome was just that it ended up being like that. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, Jackie, um, uh, Joe mentioned, you know, pressure. And I know that no matter how, you know, much of a favorite we were targeted as during the preseason, those games with Hunter college were, were always just grudge matches or just always <laughs> would come down to something, you know, uh, like a, an error or something like that, or a clutch hit, those games against Hunter, because you've played in so many of those games, you know, at least, you know, three or four every single year, you know, was there, you know, and I know that, that you guys knew some of the players on their team, you know, personally, Mm -hmm. what was that kind of rivalry like, you know, for you over four years that having that, that one rival team that you guys were always matched up against? I honestly, like, I love that rivalry. And it's like, you always look forward to, like the night before, like you're so like amped up about playing that game. It's like something that you really look forward to and you just go out and give it your all. And like knowing that the game could have went either way, it's crazy, but we always had confidence that we would always come out on top. 
Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned as the keys to success for your teams, uh, uh, Jackie, was how, you know, how coordinated the, the, the players were, how close they were, how you guys hung out, you know, yeah. you know, at, off the field. Can you speak to, you know, some of those friendships and how, you know, important that part is to, uh, to sports? I think a lot of people, especially when they look at our programs, they look at us and say, oh, you know, they, uh, they just win because they have the best players or because they have good coaching or, you know, because they play in the CUNY. But what a lot of people forget is it takes a lot of those relationship building to really make it, you know, successful because you guys have to spend a great deal of time with one another. So tell me a little bit about how important that is for, for a team to be successful. I believe that's really important. Like I was, I've been playing with Christina Tefano since I've been like eight to 10 years old. I knew Brittany Smith since I was like six years old. Daniel Locke, I knew from, since the same age, uh, I played little league with her. So it's like you build a lot of relationships with people when you get to college, but knowing that you had people that you already had those relationships with, it made it like that much easier. And then you guys just all like, we've been playing together forever. So you're comfortable already with each other. And then like, you guys just grow better and better together. Great. Well, Dave, Dave just referenced the friendship and the camaraderie among the team. H- how did that dynamic work between the pitchers as well because in 2017 yourself Nicolette Trapani, Allison Marr three of the best seasons in the history of the program Mm -hmm. how did you feed off one another and work with one another to achieve that success we all had like different strengths and I feel like we just used that to our advantage like when one of us didn't have it the other one of us would pick each other up and it just worked out that way and that was one of that was a great season for all three of us and as I said before as well, not only the pitching leading the team to a program record of victories that year, but the offense was spectacular as well in that season. What was the team-wide approach to play like? I know you mentioned your role at the top of the order being to get on base, perhaps see some pitches and just move along the base paths. But was there a team-wide approach to hitting that was in part responsible for the great success your team had at the plate that season? I believe that we all just wanted to get on base get a hit and just help each other out we always like if we weren't hot in the field one day we would make up for it with our bats if we weren't hot with hitting we'd make up for in the field it's kind of like we just balance each other out yeah you know jackie one of the uh consistencies throughout your career obviously was your coaching staff you know the the program said goodbye to um stella at the end of the 2019 season as she retired 399 career wins you know you talk about championships she won 12 of them uh in her time it's just a just a tremendous uh you know a tremendous coach tremendous person you know what can you say about working under um that coaching staff and stella and what she kind of brought to the program bringing in so many talented you know kids from staten island and of course uh across the waters in new jersey as well yeah playing for stella was one of the greatest people that I ever played for. She always looked out for us on the field, off the field, and she always wanted the best for us. She coached us to the top all the time. She always made sure that everything was okay with us, and it was just great to play for somebody like her. Yeah, and I, I know one of the things about Stella that that I really respected uh, when she was here too is um, how important she held academics for for her kids yes. on the team, and and how great you know softball's never ever been a problem with with mm-hmm. what they were doing in the classroom, and and you're living proof. Obviously, a graduate from a very prestigious nursing program at CSI, and always a scholar athlete. Can you tell me about how important athletics you know played in in your role as a student athlete? 
Yeah, Stella was always good with that. She always understood that academics came first. If we would approach her saying that we need to skip practice to study for a test or we have to do like an online assignment or anything, she was always 100% understandable and she never like penalized us for any of that, which I thought was really important because like I said, I was a nursing major, so it was definitely was tough, especially when you're on, you're on the road for away games and you're playing a double header, you're at class all day. And by the time you get home, it's like 10 o'clock at night. It's crazy. Mm. But she made it a lot easier for us to handle both academics and athletics. And I have to thank her for that. And academics is a major point of emphasis. Of course, there's always a point yes. of emphasis as is evidenced by your trajectory as a student athlete, but it becomes a major point of emphasis, even more in the forefront with our move to division two. How did yeah. you manage that balance between athletics and academics? Was that something that consistently proved challenging or did it grow easier over time? It definitely was a struggle, but it was also definitely worth it as well. Uh, I feel like knowing that you have to maintain certain grades to be on a team as well, like inspired you to go home, study, take care of the academics so you could reward yourself with the athletics. And speaking of the move to Division Two, I know I've seen you at some senior days, a game here and there. What is your outlook and expectations for the team as they transition to Division Two? I feel like that was long overdue and it should have been done a while ago, but I feel like the, especially the, the softball programs at a place where they could definitely handle being division two and do good at it. Yeah. And Jackie, you know, now that you're a few years removed from the program, obviously graduating in 2017, you've had some time now to kind of reflect on your days as a student athlete and all the things that you learned as an athlete. And now you're in an industry where, you know, it's, um, you know, there's a lot at stake, obviously the medical industry, um, mm -hmm. you know, at no time has it been so so kind of magnified as as it is now where you know we're broadcasting from our homes because because of covid and yeah. social distancing and all of that you know what are some of the things that you learned as an athlete and being part of a team that you've been able to kind of carry with you now you know as a nurse in a, a high traffic area during a pandemic yeah, I think athletics helped me with a lot in my life, being part of a team since I've, I've been playing softball since I've been six years old. So it's always, and I always say like everyone should experience being part of a team and then bringing it into like real life. It's just like at work, like you're always willing to help people and teamwork and everything. And it just makes everything so much better. Like it makes everything so much more enjoyable. Yeah. And you know, the other, the other part of it too, is that, you know, it kind of gives you, you know, an, an appreciation for for what it is that you're doing now to kind of look back and, and think of all the fun times you had, all the camaraderie, all the friendships yeah. uh, that you've built has, has softball stayed in your life at all since you, since you've left? Do you, do you try and, and, and play on the weekends? <laughs> I know it's hard these days, but um, have you stayed yeah. connected to the sport in any way? Have you thought about things like coaching, things like that? Yeah, there's uh, definitely not a day that goes by that I don't miss it. I say it to my friends all the time. Like I miss it so much. And right now I actually, I still play co-ed. Like it's not, it's just for fun and stuff, sure. but it's still just to keep myself like in the game and stuff. But actually me and Christina, like we always talk about like, yeah, we should definitely coach when we get a little bit older, when like we're more settled in our careers and stuff. So it's definitely a thought of our, on our minds. Awesome. And something I've asked many of our current student athletes and former student athletes who might be considering coming to college of Staten Island. Of course, you were here four years yeah. as a student athlete. What would be your message to a recruit who might be considering the college of Staten Island, especially during these difficult times as more and more students are considering staying local, but for someone who even yeah. might be considering coming in from out of state, what would be your message to them potentially joining our program? 
some people are hesitant to come just because it's like they don't want to stay home for college, but I really do not regret it. I had a lot of my close friends stay home and honestly it was one of the greatest experiences of my life and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And what would you say during your time at the College of Staten Island prepared you most for life beyond college? Because of course that's our role ultimately is to prepare our student mm-hmm. athletes for life beyond the field of play and beyond their time in the classroom. What are some of the biggest takeaways from your time as a student athlete that helped prepare you for your future? I took away everything from softball. I took away the dedication, the hard work, the teamwork. Everything just plays into real life. And like as you get older, you realize it more and more. It's like, oh, wow, like, this really like helped me in the future. And you just look back and it's just like you're very thankful for everything that you did. Awesome. You know, Jackie, we've gotten through so many of our questions that we wanted to ask. I guess we'll, we'll, you know, finish up with a, with the last couple here. And that is, you know, uh, Joe mentioned about what your parting remarks would be to, to, you know, future athletes, you know, what would be your parting thoughts to, you know, anybody who's looking back at your teams from 2014 to 2017. And then obviously the two years beyond that, we were able to win seven straight championships. You know, now mm-hmm. that we're turning our attention to Division Two, it's going to be a couple more years until we're able to play in a postseason tournament or get to the NCAAs. And, you know, it's easy when you work in athletics, it's it's easy to always think about the now, the here and now or the yeah. future. And very rarely mm-hmm. do we get a chance to truly reflect on the past and what we've accomplished. What What do you want people to know about your teams from that era and and what they stood for and what they accomplished? I would recommend for everybody to just enjoy every second while you're still able to play because I would honestly do anything for one more game, one more college game and just enjoy the time while you're there. It flies by in the blink of an eye. And sometimes like you don't feel like going to practice. You don't feel like doing this, but you're going to miss those days so much when you're older. Yeah. And, you know, I have a feeling I know the answer to this already, Jackie, but, you know, um, obviously now removed for a couple of years as an alumni, as someone who's very important uh, to our community. You know, what are your mm-hmm. parting thoughts about CSI athletics and, and the College of Staten Island in general and the education it, it affords its kids of the athletic experience it affords its kids? Um, you know, what would be your parting thoughts on, you know, for this broadcast and obviously for all the great and, you know, uh, terrific times that you spent in a uniform? My parting thoughts would be like, you don't don't feel like you have to go away to get the college experience because I stayed home and I had a great academic experience. I'm successful in that area as well. And I also had a great athletic experience as well. And I wouldn't trade anything for the world and I wouldn't go back and change anything that I did when I was younger. Um, I feel like the College of Staten Island, it's going to be very successful as Division II. Softball-wise, I feel like each year it keeps getting stronger and stronger and I'm excited to see where they go in the future. Awesome. And we're excited to see you uh, at some of our games uh, coming up during that experience. Jackie, it's always been a pleasure. Always been a pleasure to talk to you. I remember when you were a player, you were one of the first people I would always look for for those post-game interviews because you were one of the only kids that was like, you know, okay, I'll do it. You know, everybody else is like, get away from me with that camera and that microphone. But I, I yeah, really I appreciate it. it. Same, same way. <laughs> no I, pre- problem. I appreciate you now. You know, Jackie, I did have one other question I wanted to ask you. And I know Joe, you know, referred to this a little bit with your favorite memory, but you know, you've won CUNY MVP honors. You won CSI athlete of the year honors. You won pitcher of the year honors. You got to mm-hmm. pitch a winning game at the national level. What's the thing that you are the most proud of? What's that one award? I've always wanted to ask you that question. If there's one that stands out, what is it? 
there's a lot that I'm proud of myself, but honestly, the most proud I think I am is winning the CUNY MVP for four years in a row. Yeah. I think that was very, I don't know, I just amazed myself at that. Yeah, and it's probably, it could be, you know, maybe in, in the history of time, the only person to ever do it. So uh, that's that's tremendous. And, you know, you know, Jackie, I, I, I'm not allowed, you know, to say this, but I know one day um, you're going to be in our Hall of Fame. So I know that. I hope uh, so. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 coming. And it's something that, you know, when it when it happens, uh, it's going to be long overdue. You've had a tremendous career. Um, you know, I'm very proud to be tied to, to some of the great accomplishments you've made uh, at CSI. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Jackie. Thank you again for being a part of this. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. So that was Jackie Cortella, four-time CUNY MVP, four-time CUNY champion, national tournament qualifier, four years, a part of three NCAA Division Three tournament victories at CSI as well. One of the, uh, Only a few players who could say that in our history. So that was Jackie. When we come back from this next commercial break, we're going to be joined by another special guest, Jordan Young of the CSI men's basketball team. Uh, it's all coming up right after this on the Dolphin Pod. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division Two. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division Two, and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game, because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive, to achieve every goal we aim for, because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division Two, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. David Pizzuto and Joe Foreman joining you here for episode number 22. We're broadcasting live on Friday, June 5th. And of course, um, correlating to our CSIDolphins.com uh, article commemorating the NCAA prowess that our CSI Dolphins teams have achieved. We spoke to uh, Jackie Cortella from the CSI women's softball team a little earlier. And now we turn our attention to one of the all-time dynamos of our CSI men's basketball program. It's Jordan Young joining us, a four-year senior standout who graduated from the team in 2011-2012, of course, on the heels of that magical Sweet 16 run by men's basketball. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing really well. Uh, thank you for being a part of this. And, you know, Jordan, when when we decided to 
um, have this special kind of episode on CSIDolphins.com talking about the NCAAs, you know, having you as a guest was kind of a no brainer. You were kind of that, that focal point um, of that team. And, you know, you can make the argument there were so many stars on that 2011-12 team. But when you ask Tony Patoza about the lifeblood, about the, the rock, the anchor there, uh, he always mentions your name. So it's got to make you feel good to be the centerpiece of that uh, truly amazing team. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jordan, I guess we'll start at the top, right? Because uh, four years before that, you came to CSI as a, as a freshman from Wall Township in New Jersey, down south, South Jersey area. And you admit you didn't really know anything about the College of Staten Island. Vinny Messina, former assistant, was the one who recruited you. So, you know, tell me a little bit about those those first few days in the recruiting cycle and learning about the college, understanding what it stood for, and and then eventually getting you to the College of Staten Island at a time, mind you, where there were no residence halls. Yeah, I, um, it's funny. When I was 11 or 12 years old, I was playing travel basketball, and we actually had a we had a tournament at the college. And uh, my first day going there for a recruit visit with you know with Coach Tony, my mother, uh, my mother pointed out the Dolphins, and I, I vaguely remembered you know getting out of the car when I was 11, 12 years old, and heading into the gym and seeing the Dolphins, the Fountain Dolphin statue in the front. And so, oh wow, this is pretty cool. Like you know, they have their mascot you know statue outside. You know, I played, I played it the whole weekend. I remember them all vaguely. Uh, but when it came to the recruiting process, I really didn't know anything about Staten Island. I, I knew that uh, it was a small school. Like I said, they had no residence halls. So it was kind of nerve. My mom was kind of on the edge of, you know, <laughs> do you want to be by yourself in an apartment? You know, uh, are you going to have a roommate? Are you going to be able to, you know, get back and forth to practice? Like, are you going to get lost? I'm going to class to class. But, you know, um, when I first met Coach Messina, it was weird because that summer, going into my decision, he came down to a restaurant that I was working at in Spring Lake, and I was a busboy. So, you know, I seen him, and I was nervous to, to come around the corner because, you know, he was the guy recruiting me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm picking up his, his dishes and his, his, uh, his, his, his cup for the, for the, the table. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we had a nice conversation at, uh, that day when he left. I told him when I got to work. Um, and like I said, Coach Patosa told me, he said that the, the college was taking a turnaround. There was a new president coming in. Um, he told me that a lot of the guys were, you know, not really from the area at that point. So it was, it was cool. It was, uh, I didn't want to go to a school where it was mainly kids from that area. Cause I didn't, I, I wouldn't have felt like I was in college. Not being picky or anything, but, um, sure. and then I remember the first couple open runs, you know, uh, at the time, you know, Kyle, Christian Montevino, Ryan Hennessy, a couple of guys like, they're like, wow, like, this kid could help, you know? So, you know, I, I, I took that as, um, very humble because I've been to a couple of events prior to suicide and the kids were saying the same thing. Well, you could help. You should come here. You should come here. You know, but I, I think that's some of the pictures that schools usually throw at everybody. The coach says, oh, you come here. You're going to start. And then that ends up. Not playing, you know, first two years. Then you know they're upset. You know, but I, I, I took what they said for a grain of salt. I played about twenty open runs. You know, I had a great time. I left there every day with smiles on my face. My mother picked me up. Uh, every time Coach Patos and I talked, um, had a smile on my face. My mom would see my phone ringing. She, oh, who's that? I said it's Coach Patos, and I would light up. You know, and I would run into my bedroom, and we would talk. You know, hour, two hours. You know, then Coach Messina would call me. 
talk for an hour, two hours, you know. But and from there, I, I felt like they uh, they really persuaded me, not by you know so much the campus and academically also, but they were such good people. The, they were they were true. Um, they I, they never broke a promise. They told me, uh, and and really, Patoja uh, told me since day one. He he took me under wing like a, a second father and daughter. Because like I said, I was lost. You know, the the kids were telling me, oh, you know, come hang out at the apartment. I said, I don't know where New York lands. You know, I, I had no idea I was going. You know, but um, it was it was like a family. It was it, I I looked at a family academics and then uh, athletics. Yeah, you know, it's 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 nice to 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 hear you say that obviously because it's it just it reinforces what we know to be the truth and that is it's a very, you know, it's it's a big campus but it's a very small athletics community and everybody kind of, you know, uh you know, does their part and obviously our coaching staff uh is a huge uh, you know, a, a huge part of that. You know, I guess, you know, Jordan, I you know, one of the things that Tony always says about you and I remember having a a really long conversation with Tony when he was retiring, uh, when he was stepping away from the program. And I asked him what his mm-hmm. favorite parts of being a coach were. And he said, it's the ability to take a kid and get them to understand what it is that you're trying to tell them. And then taking that knowledge, soaking it up like a sponge and just exploding. And his, the example he uses all the time is players like David Paul and a player like yourself of somebody who came in, uh, grabbed the shovel and started digging, started working hard and left such a, a much more improved and developed player. Um, so w- when, when you were entering the college ranks, did you feel that about yourself that you still, that your game was still developing and that you wanted to come to a place where you can learn to be a better player? Uh, absolutely. I, I, um, ever since I, I, I first started playing, you know, uh, competitive basketball when I was 12 years old, I think, uh, each, each year or each season going into either AAU, high school, you know, uh, whatever it is, I think my game improved piece by piece. You know, I, I'm happy that I didn't, you know, gain all my ability in one year that I was the same person, mm-hmm. you know, through, through as I'm playing basketball at the competitive level. Um, but definitely, you know, get in the gym early when I was a freshman. Like I said, uh, it was either home studying or I was, you know, in, in the gym with other players, you know, whether it was, you know, recreational playing around or me working on my game myself. But I, I think that each year from when I was 11, you know, 12 years old when I first started playing, I think my game developed, whether it was, you know, uh, a mid range or it was just being a better leader, you know, and, um, my first year, we won. You know, you know, we won six games. Yep, yep. You know, and uh, it was tough. You know, and I thought, you know, I didn't think that we were going to be the best team. You know, my, my freshman year, but um, it was it was it was tough to soak in because I I thought highly of my teammates. You know, but it was that year the, the conference was you know you, you remember the conference had about at least four or five All Americans in our first tournament. We played against all Americans out in Chicago. So yeah, that was like yeah. a big, you know, that was a big weekend for me. And I, I told him this up. I said, these kids are freshmen and sophomores and they're all Americans, you know, and I'm a freshman. I still have a lot to work on. Mm-hmm. I came in with a big chip on my shoulder to make myself, my teammates, whatever our teammates with the people around me and the program understand that, uh, you know, it, it, it takes a lot more than just yourself to be part of it. But. Great. And Jordan, trying to gain some background knowledge ahead of our conversation, I went back and looked at some of the numbers from those teams that you were a part of. And 
each year the team got better. You just mentioned your own personal growth as a player. How did the team grow during those four years that you were a part of it in order to improve every season and, of course, culminating with that birth in the NCAA tournament? That definitely that started off the court. Um, myself and uh, Dale Toronto, I, I, he always comes to my mind when I think of uh, college basketball. Um, and a couple of the guys were there for four years. My freshman year, you know, uh, probably about 12, 13 of us, but you only had your, you know, four or five who would, you know, grab a bite to eat after practice, who would, Hang out on the weekend, you know, go grab a bite to eat, you know, play video games here, let's go to the bowl now, let's go do this. You know, but each, each year as, uh, new recruits came in, a new kids came in, they seen that we wanted, we wanted to perform and become a team off the court before we brought it onto the court, you know, and, um, like I said, I, I think having that camaraderie off the court builds, builds, uh, momentum to bring, you know, to want to work every day, to, to want to go be better. Uh, each day in the gym, and uh, we always, we, we, all of us had each other's back. You know, every day when one person would fall, we always fall. It, there was no, uh, oh, I'm doing this, I'm gonna do that. No, you do it, we're all gonna do it. You know, so that was a uh, a big part of my success at CSA. And over the years, watching the game of basketball, both at the collegiate level for the last five years and professional level, almost my entire life, the game of basketball has changed so much over the years with an emphasis now on outside shooting. You touched on it a bit before. How did your game develop over your four years of college on top of the development you experienced as a younger player? Uh, well, I mean, as my stats can show, I'm definitely not an outside behind the arc threat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, I, I, would, I, would, I would go in the gym, you know, especially uh, maybe in between classes or in the gym. Like, I always had something going on. But um, when I had the time, I would... I would work on, you know, five feet, you know, for a couple of minutes, and I would go 10 feet. And then I find myself, you know, um, catching the ball, you know, by the free throw line, you know, either ripping and one dribble pull up or, you know, one dribble, boom, boom, back down. But I, I, I mainly, I focused my game mainly on my whole life was in the paint, where if it was, um, using my body, using my footwork. Um, but I, I, you know, people always say, why don't you go out and shoot? I said, yeah, I said, if I have to, I will, but I, I really don't like shooting the ball, you know, from, you know, more than 12 feet out, uh, from, from the hoop. But, um, my, my, uh, my body, you know, the, the size I was, I was able to, uh, finesse, you know, my, my footwork to get around people, whether it was my back to the basket or my, me facing the basket, but my, my game just, like I said, developed a lot better with my coaching and, uh, the plays around me getting confidence. Great. Uh, you know, Jordan, turning our attention now to the back half of your career, obviously your junior season, you get obviously TJ Tibbs joining the mix. Uh, Bluchi McGlure comes in as a freshman, uh, team starts to take that incredible turn towards, towards success. Uh, you know, I sat down with TJ Tibbs. We had a we had an interview, Joe and I, with TJ a few months back, and you know, he says that come tournament time that junior year, you guys were kind of kind of feeling yourselves a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit too much, and that's what that's what led to that that loss to Medgar Evers. But it gave you guys so much more focus going into that senior season of not taking anything for granted, making sure that every single opponent that you faced, um, you know, y- you were going to be prepared for, and that senior year. 
you guys ripped off 14 wins in a row going into that tournament. And, you know, it, you, like you could tell that team was on a mission to win that championship. What did, what did faltering that junior year in that championship do for you guys that senior year to have the kind of season that you guys did? Uh, it, it made us, like you said, we didn't want to take anything for granted, but we were super hungry. Uh, I remember after the ECAC game when we lost to uh, Rutgers Newark, mm-hmm. mind you, I, I had, I broke my nose in the championship game. I was sick. Uh, I think TJ had a broken finger. Yep. So we weren't even, we, we our mindset was to win the ECAC, but, uh, no excuses. We, we had two or three injuries going into that, uh, that first round of the tournament. But then, you know, we, we had a nice little meeting afterwards. Um, I said, you know what, you know, give two or three weeks off. But, you know, nobody listens. You know, we took probably about a couple of days off. And all of us were back in the gym again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I remember Coach saying, oh, what are you guys doing here? We don't have our annual, you know, uh, NCAA tournament watching upstairs. We were like, oh, no, we're going to go in the gym and play. Oh, play what? We're going to go work. You know, we we um, we knew we were seconds away from, from winning our first championship my junior year. And the soldier said, you know what? If you guys don't want to take weeks off, then go ahead. And we were, uh, we told ourselves that next year we are going to have a target on our back because they didn't expect us to be there our junior year. Uh, but everybody who came back and uh, our, our new additions, they, they, knew, we, they knew what they had to do. We all knew what we had to do because the ones that were there prior to my senior year, we knew what it felt like to play in that environment. And we wanted to be there again with even more people. And we wanted to show them that last last year was a mistake. And this year we were actually meaning business. Um, but yeah, we, we worked man, from, from practices every day. And they, they, you, you, you never had in the beginning of the conversation. You said we had about, you know, three different starting lineups on our team. And we yeah. did. We, I think the whole team is, you put us in a, in a, a, a puny, like, uh, bubble. They, they would, everybody from that team, my senior would be playing a, another CUNY school. And whether, uh, be a star or a sixth, seventh man, but our, our team was deep. And I remember my first two years, you know, coach always had, you know, uh, blue first, uh, black first white, you know, black was, Usually, like the second five, and White was the first five, and they would split the right the, the remainders up. But you know, uh, I said, Coach, I said, don't, don't, don't make it. You know, the five for six five. I said, mix it up. I said, we have a lot of hitters. We had Matt Van Man, who yep. was a dog. You know, he, he would. I would leave practice. I, I wish he was on my team every day in practice. He he was a dog. Yeah, he 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 made me better physically. Mm-hmm. He made me you know want to be in the paint longer than you know I, I usually was. And you had Dylan Bolger. You know, seven footer. You know, we didn't face that many seven footers, but when we did, I know we we knew how to attack them because you know, like you know, TJ Tibbs going to the lane against seven footers. No one's gonna lose gonna make a shot, you know. But he either dished it out, you know, and uh, he went out and somehow he 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 made um a basket. But like I said, we we fought every day in practice. You know, there was bruises, bumps. Scrapes, you know, and we we yelled at each other for three hours because we, we knew that the love we had uh, was was way more than basketball. So the fact that uh, people were able to take um, the yelling, the screaming, and and it wasn't even so much the coaches. You know, the coaches were sitting there as if they were scouts. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, TJ, myself, and Dale, we uh, we took it. We said, "Listen, this is it." You know, for all of you who've been here for 
one year, two years, three years, four years, this is it. If 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 you don't want to hop on the train, then I guess you you're not ready for the long ride ahead. And since since that uh that first game we won to make to then to end with fourteen, we're like you know we're still hungry. We want to go. And then when we when we heard the fact that we were going to host the first round of the tournament, it made us even more hungry. You know, uh, coach was like, oh, not enough contact. We said no. We, we've been contacting each other in practice, bumping, taking charges, blocks. That's what that's what made us, you know, that such a great season to get to that tournament. And we were we were doing it even a week before the NCAA tournament. You know, uh, thank God nobody got hurt. But we we said why stop why stop what was working? You know, we, we stood the teams were so separated evenly. Uh, and it was just I, I was all about why you know it's a shoe fix and they keep wearing it. Yeah. There's not there's not and Batola said he goes, I'm not gonna come in here to I said, well, what time is you going to have a moment like you did? I remember like you that. did when you were in college. And I, and I actually, I had that picture still saved in my phone. So I, I look at it once in a while. I usually send it to Dale. We usually have a laugh about it. But uh, it, was at, it was at one point, his hair was going over his ears. And I remember that, uh, we, were, we were on the bus. I think we were going off the bus from one of the games. And uh, he goes, uh, you know, my wife is getting really angry. I said, what's the matter? I said, we can win it. She was, yeah, she doesn't like my... my Haircut from my ears. <laughs> well, so, well, you know, he made the gentleman's bet, you know, but uh, it was great. Um, you know, Coach didn't want to get him out. He, he was he was a legend since day one, you know, uh, stop each other. You know, he, he really wasn't the voice, but if you got to speak to him on the side, like one on one, super intelligent. Sure. You know, and, uh, you know, and a lot, a lot of people don't remember him because he, they said he never spoke, but he, he spoke when it mattered and he would pull you aside and he would. Tell you what is what I'm doing right and what that person is doing wrong, and then from there, both problem fix. Yeah, you know it's so it's so great that you share those stories of what happens behind the scenes because it's the side that people don't see. I mean, they see the wins, they see the losses, they see you know the results and the box score and what you guys did, but they don't see all that work that goes on behind the scenes. And that's what it takes to have such a championship caliber team and and a team that was so you know laser focused that you guys were. So so you made mention of it, you know, Jordan, about getting those those. Those first round home games, uh, Ithaca and Rhode Island were coming in. Uh, you know, Ithaca was your first round opponent. Rhode Island ends up being your your second round opponent. Um, you know, you guys were confident. Uh, you know, there's there's no question uh, on your home court. The, the the place was absolutely rocking. I've never heard it uh, as loud. I didn't I didn't know Staten Island can can pack that gym the way it did. You know, those couple of days and you know and and when I say you guys were confident, not confident, cocky, confident, confident that. You know, you knew what you guys could accomplish. You knew that, um, mm. you know, you get a basketball out there and a couple of hoops. You guys can match up with anybody and you're willing to do, you know, anything. Like I look back at those games and you could just look at the look at the box scores. You know, y- you didn't have monster games in those in those mm-hmm. games, but you were matched up against, you know, big guys underneath and you neutralized those guys to the point where you allowed for open space for for Blucci to work for TJ in the backcourt and everybody had that that kind of mentality that role whatever it takes to get done we get it done those those games those first two games what did they mean to you the way you guys attacked your opponent and ultimately especially after day one how you know how in um how big of a win that was against Ithaca because nobody expected a 25 point blowout. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's weird too, because Ithaca was one of my schools of choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my mother said, you, 
you're not going to go up to New York. I won't be able to come see your games. So that's all right. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, like you said, it was packed out. We, we, were, we were warming up. You know, it was it was it was it was getting to the capacity that I heard some of the workers are like, oh my god, there's, there's a line outside. So what do you mean a line outside? They're like, yeah, there, there. Uh, some people aren't allowed in with like you know credentials this and that. I'm like, yeah, okay. So then we go back in the locker room for uh, our mini game speech, and I'm just hearing roaring. I'm like, this can't be real. And I, we all come out to peek our heads, and it was literally a standing room only. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we walked back as a team. We said. Um, we came this far. There's, there's no way we're going to go out there and not play the way we've been playing for the last 27 games or however many games we've played so far. We said, uh, you know, let's, let's go full throttle. And I always said, I said, you need a break. You know, you know, you raise your hand and coach always said it too because we had the guys on the bench who were ready. You know, they would come on the floor. They would do their, you know, four to five minute part. And then rotate again. It's like almost like hockey, you know, like mm-hmm. the line changes. Yep. I feel like that year, if you know, if we had a hockey rules, I think I, I think we would win the national tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, because we, we were so we were so good on the run, you know. Whereas, um, you know, hockey, you just still keep boom, 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 and then you yep. score. Yep. Whereas, there was times we had to take a break, and the other team called timeout, or we had to call timeout, and then recoup. Sure, but uh. Everybody on our bench, man, it was un- unbelievable. But the, the, those two games mean to me that um, I had, I had a, re- we had a really good fan base. You know, the, the whole whole island knew about us. It wasn't just you know the, the usual parents, the people who were driving through campus on a, a Saturday morning. Oh, there's a game going on. Let me stop by and say hello. But this was, you know, this was word of mouth. Um, I, I I just feel like those two, I probably. Besides, you know, winning the winning the community championship, those two games are probably my most um, memorable moments in uh, CSI. Just because I was able to, to bang, you know, uh, my last two home games of the first round national tournament, I was able to clash with my brothers, you know, uh, two more times. You know, and then we took our the second round to Pennsylvania. But those two games, man, I, I just feel like. If I could do it again, I don't care if we lost the first game. Just being in that atmosphere and being with my my guys and you know having everybody there was just you know fantastic. Awesome, Jordan. What you just said is a perfect preface to my question. Over the years, I've seen many seniors graduate and play in their final games. And in terms of men's basketball, one of the most notable that I remember in the NCAA tournament was Edin Brachich when the team played at Cabrini, hit a huge shot to give us the lead in that game that year. And then, unfortunately, we fell at the buzzer. But how much of a toll did it take on you, if any, that it was your senior season and any one of these NCAA tournament games could be your last? Oh, man. Uh, the second game hit me the most. Uh, like, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have a good game. You know, uh, I think I was in the first half. You know, but I, I didn't go to the bench with my head down. You know, I, I, I was one of the first two thanks to the coaches. You know, I'm up, I, was up, I was up first every time out. And, you know, I'm sharing, and I was – Telling some of the other guys that had the opportunity to play, you know, due to some culture like myself, I said, just go in there and pretend it's practice. Pretend, pretend I'm the one you're going against. You know, pretend you're going against my man, man. Defend the, you know, uh, pretend you're, you're defending three against Blue Chief. Pretend you're not, you're not going to allow DJ to, to get to the hoop. And they said, all right, I got it, I got it. You know, and you know the the guys that were on the floor most of the time, that second game, 
And I, I gave them each individual hug at the game. I said, thank you. I said, you know, I, I, I play for Um, I wish I could do better, but like I said in the beginning, there, there's not one person that can, that can win the whole game. And my, my team that game was just unbelievable. That's how, again, I knew we were family. I knew we were friends on and off the court. And, uh, end of the day, they, they, they came prepared, you know, and some of these guys, it was their first game playing in the last five games, you know, because we had, the conference tournament, and then we had that second round game. So some of them, some of them were nervous. I said, "Just go play." I said, "Listen, as long as you said you tried your best, that's all I can say." And I, I couldn't be any more proud. Man, that second game, I was so happy we won. And we, the way we celebrated together, the team, you know, in the locker room afterwards, and we all said, "We're not done. We're not done." We, we just took that night, soaked it in, and woke up the next morning and got back to work. Those home fans who got to watch you and your team win those two games, the College of Staten Island, and anyone who watched you play in general, how do you want them to look back on your career and remember you as a player? Uh, humble. Uh, the man or like here to, to, to take over. You know, um, I remember every time I, I, I had an interview after a game with one of the and Jim from the Advance, mm-hmm. you know, the first word he always says, oh, you know, humble, humble, Mr. Young, humble, this and that. And I remember, you know, you know walking on campus, you know, like going to the grocery stores, going to delis. You know, they're like, oh, good game last night, Mr. Young. And I'm, I'm in the head. I'm like, you know, like I'm only playing college basketball. But that, that that's what that, that's what I was happy about. Uh, the people knew me as uh, a gentleman and a humble person first, and then they knew me as an athlete second. Yeah, and, and I can certainly attest to that, uh, you know, knowing you all four years that you were here, um, you know, Jordan, and um, and also, you know, a lot of fun to be around, always with a smile on your face, like mm-hmm. you said before, and, you know, having a good time. Uh, unfortunately, that, that great time did have to end, and it, it, it happened at the hands of MIT. Uh, they could not have scripted a better start to that game. There's no, there's no question in my mind, two guys that we didn't intend on them having huge games against us come out and... And I think they shot like 10 threes in the game or whatever in the first half. They kind of they kind of buried you a little bit. And you guys had to spend so much time just trying to scratch back mm-hmm. in. And you guys played, you know, I, I would say 33 minutes pretty evenly with MIT the entire way. But you guys got down by such a, in such a huge hole. Um, the disappointment of that Sweet 16 game, Jordan, well, are there any regrets? Are there any things you wish you could take back? You personally had a very solid game in that in that Sweet 16 uh, final against a you know a real tough body on the interior there. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I have I have no regrets at all. My my, my four years there, especially that the last game. Like you said, we we did our homework on two other guys, and we watched film on two other guys, and you know they they shot you know. Uh, they threw a core ball at us, you know, as soon as the tip went in, this one's hitting that three, that one's hitting that three, you know, it, it was almost like, um, they knew who we were looking at. Um, I guess that's why they're one of the smartest schools in the country. I remember I, I was friends with the point guard, uh, Mitchell Case at the time. He was a year younger than me. He grew up in Coastneck, which is not too far from Wall. Mm. So I played against him in high school and stuff. And, and he said he, we had a long conversation and I spoke to him when I, when I went down to the final four for the, for the all-star game. Right. And he said that his, his coach was super nervous going into the game. 
this coach said, you know what, I'm going to draw something different up, and if it works, then we're going to come out on top. If it doesn't, then, you know, the coach is going to bite himself an ass. I said, Mitch, I said, it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, um, then uh, it started off strong, and it was only so much we could do because, you know, we would, we would, we would trade baskets, baskets back and forth. They would come down, go to three-point play. We would go down and miss. They come down here to three-point, and then that's already a, a six-point swing. Um, but yeah, we, we, all of us fought hard, man. And, um, coach kept us in as long as he could, you know, so it really wasn't, uh, uh, a bad send off for a season. So he, he took one of us out each time, you know, we all had tears in our, in our eyes, but, uh, we had a big huddle after, after the game, you know, uh, we all loved each other, you know, coach was crying. Um, I think he was more upset that he had to cut his hair, but, um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like, it, it was, I was happy to see that so many people, you know, traveled that far to come see play. Yeah, I remember, so, I remember, yeah. uh, covering that game on the radio at the time, um, that, you know, we covered it on our live stream. And I remember there being fan buses, buses plural, that came to the game to yes. support you guys. It was, it was pretty mm-hmm. intense. It was like, uh, it was like a home away from home. And, you know, it, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was a it was a magical time for sure. And you know, I just looked it up, Jordan. They shot nine of eleven in the first half from three point range. Mm. You can't make that up. Yeah, there's not a lot of NBA some, teams that can shoot like that. Something they did. Right? They must have had a good break for seven months. But that, yeah, nine for eleven and twenty minutes is ridiculous. Yeah. And and you know Jordan, obviously at the time, it's it's such a magical run. It's something so awesome. It's something that we've never realized since. Even though we felt like we had the type of team that could do it again, we never truly got there. When was the first time that you actually got to kind of step back and and think about the magnitude of what you guys accomplished that year? Like when does it set in to say? you know, my God, we really did something that no other team has ever been able to do before us and no one has ever done since. When did that resonate for you? Uh, I think it was my, my first year assistant coach with Tony on my second. We we traveled to uh, to Catholic. That was for the first final tournament, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yep. We played against the Catholic year, University. Yeah. And I, <laughs> they, all, they all told me in the locker room, they said, oh, uh, coach, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. I said, if, if, if it's a team that I wanted to do it, it should be you guys. You know, they, they were stacked. They had, they had Javon, who was coming off, you know, the, the Swiss 16 year with me. You know, they had, you know, Fonseca, they had Myers, they had Lucci, mm-hmm. they had Dylan. That, that team, man, I, I feel like they were the monsters and, and, and we were their original space champions. Mm-hmm. Cause those guys, you know, they were so, so physically more built than we were as a team. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I told him, I said, this is the year you guys should make a run and you should want to be, be better than the team I was on, you know, because, uh, one, it's sad that you guys couldn't, you know, they, I thought they got robbed that they didn't, they didn't host the first round of the tournament like we did. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, th- things were different then, but, um, yeah, man, I, I, I think that year, uh, I, I was rooting for them. You know, I, I, I wanted, I wanted that team especially because, you know, uh, couple of guys on the team I, I played with and I, I wanted them to you know experience what I experienced and more mm-hmm. you know but um un- unfortunately you know that that Catholic program was you know was ranked in the country there was they were good they were smart uh but yeah that's when I sunk in was like we 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 really you know uh were the team to 
to make history and, and to, to make a stepping stone for other teams to want to get as far as we did and especially to get further than we did. Great. And, of course, Tony brought the team back to the NCAA tournament after you departed, but did you envision at the time when you were playing that the next coach to bring the team back to an NCAA tournament would be TJ Tibbs? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 I'm, I'm not knocking I'm not, I'm not like Tibbs, but uh, he, he, he's, he, he always had a vision, you know, and uh, even when I first met him, you know, we, we, would, we would only talk basketball. It would, we really weren't that close of friendship. You know, he, you know, I would say, all right, let's do this. He'd be, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, he, he knew that coming in that he couldn't just, uh, take the ship over. You know, uh, nobody, ever, nobody really had that attitude, but I know he's, he's super competitive. And, um, I, I, I knew that once he was, you know, looking to coach after we graduated, I said, I said one day, you know, he, he he's going to have a team and he's going to be something special. I didn't I didn't think it would be CSI this you know this soon, but um, I'm I'm happy for him. You know, I uh, I wish him all the best. Yeah, I just spoke to him the other day. Actually, I shot him a text. Um, you know, uh, seeing how he, how himself, his family, his fiance is doing, and uh, I told him, you know, you know, just you know, good luck with the recruiting. You know, so it's going to be a pain in the butt when he gets back. You know, he he understands that, but he TJ was always always uh, willing to accept uh, challenges, you know, and uh, and I, I, I remember when he took over CSI, went to the the Heroes, you know, he said, you know, Jordan, like, it's not the same. I said, I said what do you mean? And he said, um, these kids just come into practice and they leave. I said, so you're saying like they don't have, like, what we had? And he goes, no, and he told me that that's not something you can teach. And I said, I, said, I agree. I said, we happen to all get along. You know, we uh, the, our bus rides were hilarious. You know, you, you could probably tell you about those. We had the coaches line uh, laughing. You know, um, but that's one thing that he told me that it was going to be challenging when he first took over CSI is that the, to get these kids to be brothers off the court as well, not just on the court. Well, I went on a trip with the team earlier this season down to Florida, and I see that culture that you're talking about building with this team right now, and I think that's going to help us a great deal moving forward into Division Two, And with the move to Division Two comes recruiting. I've asked several current athletes, plenty of former athletes that we've had on the podcast as well. For those considering the College of Staten Island, what's your pitch to them as a former student athlete here? Uh, family. Uh, you know, uh, whatever you need is, is uh, a phone call away. And, uh, you know, once you're in as a Dolphin, you're going to be considered a Dolphin for the rest of your life. You know, Jordan, um, we're coming towards the end of our of our time here. This has been great. It could go on another hour or two. Just hearing, <laughs> just hearing the stories, the behind the scenes is just so it's so great for us I because have, it's the I side have so that we many don't. Stories. Well, you know what? So we got to have you back yeah. here at some time. Maybe when basketball rolls around again, I'd like to hear a lot of those I'm stories. In. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. But um, you know, I gotta be I gotta be honest with you, Jordan. I thought you know I really did think after your I think it was your second or your third year at at CSI as an assistant coach, I really thought that you were going to be the future coach of this team at some point. I think, you know, I felt that way about Brian Gasper when he was an, an assistant coach. He was an assistant coach for a long time, but it just seemed to me like you were developing into 
you know, um, that number one coach for that, you know, that, that Patoza turned to that you were, you know, enjoying it. Uh, but ultimately you did follow some of your other passions. Um, so I guess my question for you is twofold. Number one, um, how is basketball still a part of your life now? I know you're still affiliated with the sport and what are some of the other things that you're, that you've done post-graduation? Um, right now I, uh, I'm still ties, uh, Myself and uh, Doug Elwood, we are uh, partners in uh, basketball training uh, business out here. Um, we have kids from the ages of four, you know, to uh, some kids that are actually playing overseas right now. Um, but th- uh, that's how I still keep Italian. You know, I uh, I was playing, you know, twice a week, you know, men's league, just just being around, like not, like not even so much for the competitive part, just being around, you know, the the basketball and being on the court. It was it was it was tough to uh, make the decision to to not come back and be an assistant. But me and Coach had a me uh, Coach knew it was coming, and I told him that uh, you know it was time for me to focus on like a, a, a better career for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, he totally understood, and we never had the conversation. He, he was too nice on himself. He never gave me the hint that he was going to retire. You know, sure, I, sure. I would hear I would I would hear when he was cranky when he was in bed. <laughs> But that's 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 that's, that's any human being. They're gonna say things that nobody wants to hear when uh, when they're in a bad mood. But um, I I thought he was gonna be there for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, maybe my my instinct on staying, you know, with him longer would have changed if, if we had that deep conversation. But I I, I think that he wanted me to uh, to pursue whatever I wanted. I, I don't think he wanted that so like not so much force me. Mm-hmm. But to have in the back of my mind saying that all oh, these guys are retiring to you, maybe I'll stick around. I'll find right, a good job. Right. Uh, he, yeah. If he, he he's he's a good guy like that, where you know, like if if if, if this isn't what you want, I'm not going to put it on your mind. Go pursue your dream. And um, to this day, we we try at least you know uh, every two or three months, you know, grab a bite to eat. And it's, I'm happy that very little bit we talk about what's going on with. Um, with uh, like basketball and the programs, the, the community, the whole. Now we're together. We're just talking like gentlemen. You know, mm-hmm. how's the family? You know, uh, how are the kids? You know, Chris Peterson and Pachella. We get together, and it's just it's it's life, and and and, and that's what I want. Whereas I feel like if, if I was in, in a still coaching aspect, it would um, it would be hard to have regular conversation around him because I would be asking for so much advice that it would just be like. Uh, having dinner, you know, and then me going home and having his advice in my head, you know, writing writing things down and doing this. But I'm I'm happy that we still had that relationship. Uh him and Peterson actually they, they came to my wedding and, and that, that that that's what I want. I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted I wanted coaches that I could turn to, you know, uh for anything when I when I graduated. You know, a lot of a lot of players can't say they still even have their coaches' phone numbers on their phone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, the, the Coach Patoza, man, he uh, he he was just something very special to me. It was real good. Great. Um, you know, finally, last last question for you, Jordan. Uh, you know, Joe kind of broached the subject of what you would tell recruits. Um, I guess my question extends from there. You know, for the next two years, uh, CSI doesn't have the opportunity that you had of playing at the NCAAs. We're in provisional year two out of three. And we're not going to be eligible for the ECAC post, uh, ECC postseason or the NCAAs. And 
as somebody who did have to build a program too, I remember that first year. I remember that six win season. I remember that gym floor being, being that concrete slab when you started, you know, you, you took a program pretty much from the ground with a lot of, with a lot of help, obviously, and good coaching. And in four years time, you guys were in the sweet 16. What is your message for the current group of athletes that are on the team now who are perhaps feeling, you know, maybe we're not going to have this chance or, you know, what's going to happen in my senior year? What would be your advice to get them from thinking I'm laying the groundwork today because for, you know, four years from now, I want to be, you know, a conference and a national champion like Jordan Young was? I mean, uh, I, I would tell young kids, you know, just be, just be, uh, be fortunate that they're able to play, you know, at, at a collegiate level, whether it's you know, Division One, Two, Three, or junior college. Um, but yeah, just stay humble and uh, don't take anything for granted because before you know what your uh, your years of playing basketball are going to be done. And I think those kids should, you know, start setting the ground in now, you know. Um, just say, you know, those kids should look back and say, you know what, I, I had a, I had a good time at Seaside too, you know, and, and now they're actually a big contender uh, every year in the Division Two tournament. And I'm happy that I was able to be that those last two teams to to, to put a hole in the ground and say, you know what, now it's your shit, you know, um, now you take it over. So I, I, I hope those kids who when they get the chance to, to play Division Two basketball to doing these. Uh, one or two last year, professional years. Just, just put a, a a marker down. You know, put a marker down and say that you gave it your all every day. And the next person that comes in and says, "Oh, this is where the marker is. I'll take it and I'll make it even further." And I, I just hope that um, CSI can take this division two to the whole next level. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope for that too, Jordan. And I know if that does happen, it'll be thanks to to you know gentlemen and student athletes like you who helped pave the way. Jordan, thank you so much for taking some time uh, to talk thank to you. us today. Uh, and I'm serious about those stories. We're going to catch up soon and, uh, yes, yes. and, get, them, and get them on the record <laughs> so yes. that everybody can hear them. Definitely. Just make sure you bring some tissues. There's going to be a lot of laughing. Oh, awesome, man. That's Those are just those are stories we like. <laughs> we, we needed them when we had Tony on too, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Tony, Tony got a little choked up too when we had him on, on the, uh, you know, for different reasons. We weren't, we weren't, uh, you know, laughing a lot, but yeah, we, we were definitely, you know, reminiscing on some great times and yeah. And there's, there's just too many of them for, for a one hour mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, Jordan, thanks again so much, man. I miss Thank you. Thank you so much for having hope, me, guys. I appreciate see you it. soon let's, back at the ranch. Yes. I, I hope you and your family stay well soon. All that's going on. All right. Stay home. Be safe. Absolutely. And you guys as well. And give my best, obviously, to your family who we miss as well. I will. Thank you so much. All right. Awesome. That was Jordan Young, uh, standout on the 2011-2012 NCAA Sweet 16 team uh, for men's basketball. One of the highlighted achievements of all time at the College of Staten Island. More after this break, Joe and I will wrap things up right here on episode 22 of the Dolphin Pod. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. 
That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod. You just heard our conversation with Jordan Young of CSI Men's Basketball Day. We reminisced with Jordan about the team's run through the NCAA tournament and about what for him individually could potentially be a Hall of Fame resume from his time at the College of Staten Island. We'll wait and see if that's what the future holds. But once again, I learned quite a bit about the Dolphins program before I came on in 2016. This is a bit of a more recent history lesson with that team making their run into the NCAA tournament about three or four years before I came on board. But interesting to hear the stories, especially, and we look forward to hearing more of those in the future. Yeah, and that's the stuff that I really love about what we do, Joe, is that behind-the-scenes stuff that we're not always privy to. You know, you and I, we do go on some bus trips every now and then. We get to experience it in very small doses. But the camaraderie, the the conversations that happen in the background, uh, those bus trips, you know, those are the things that make it special. And, you know, so many teams have those special moments. So few others get to experience what they did. But Jordan Young is a great example of someone who came to CSI not really knowing anything about it, starting the team really from scratch, going through a really trying freshman season and then three years later to to have a sweet 16 you know and a cuny championship title in the belt that's that's an awesome feeling and he was the bedrock for that before that we spoke to jackie cotello who really ushered in that level of sheer dominance for softball you can count probably on one hand the amount of cuny games she's lost in her in, entire four-year career so two two outstanding people joe uh, before they were even athletes, but then when they got to CSI, two extraordinary athletes to complement their resume, and uh, no doubt those two will be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, you know, one of these years when they're far enough out, and um, you know they get put up there as nominees, they'll be there. So, um, you know, just great to talk to them, and I know it's the first conversation of probably a long line more. Definitely, and whether I look back at some of our appearances in the NCAA tournament during today's podcast, Jackie and Jordan, that really closes the door on our retrospective, our look back at our history in NCAA Division Three. So beginning with next week's show, we're going to look ahead to our membership in NCAA Division Two a bit more, beginning with a spotlight on the East Coast Conference. So it will be an ECC-heavy broadcast next week. We'll take a look at some of our future conference foes and hopefully speak to someone from within the conference as well during next week's podcast and see if we can make that happen but until then this has been joe foreman alongside david pizzuto this is the dolphin pod new episodes at csidolphins.com usually between 12 and 2 p.m every friday you can listen to this episode and all of our future episodes at csidolphins.com backslash podcast and we'll see you next week You've been listening to The Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a show guest, be sure to leave us feedback, as well as catch all of our shows right here at csidolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here, 
at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to The Dolphin Pod.